Hello and welcome to King Hero IndyCar Podcast with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Doing well, Justin. How about yourself? I'm okay. I like the offseason. A little more measured pace. Definitely more measured pace, and I, I don't even know where we're going with this show today, Kirby, and uh, I'll be honest with you, but it's going to be hard not to descend into just uh, you know hour of bitching and moaning about IndyCar, at least for me. I, I don't want to speak for you. But uh, well, see, and here I was feeling optimistic. Okay, well, that's uh, good for you. Lead the way. Do you uh, do you have a subject? It's IndyCar podcast, so let's talk about Formula One, right? Yeah, I think we need to start there. I guess my first comment would be: this is actually an IndyCar comment. Is that the most excitement I've seen out of the IndyCar world uh, in the last you know month or so is a bunch of IndyCar drivers going out and driving, uh, driving old McLaren F1 cars and raving about it. Seems to have been the number one uh, public relations method uh, pro IndyCar that I can tell. Very uh, very emotional experience for them. Yes, yes. They, and they can do nothing but rave about it. And, uh, you know, just go IndyCar go. Your, your PR machine is nonstop. These long off seasons are wonderful. I thought you were going to say that the latest excitement was that the uh, Pato Award was second on the speed charts at uh, Abu Dhabi testing the other day in Formula well, One. Well, uh, another and and just how much he wants to go there. <laughs> you, <laughs> <Right>. know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> well, don't don't worry, Justin. He wants to win a 500 first. For oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what a, I love that uh, narrative. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wait till I win the 500 to go. If you know, if that one calls gone, I got to win that 500 first. Yeah, right. I mean, the, the Formula One season, uh, I'll timestamp this. It's Wednesday, 29th of uh, November. Formula One season just ended on Sunday in Abu Dhabi. So we've been in kind of this ridiculous uh, long you know, period where nothing's coming out uh, IndyCar-wise, except just drips and drabs of seemingly bad news. You know, and the F1 uh, machine goes on and on and and I, look, I don't even want to get into this anymore. I, I, I'm done comparing F1 to IndyCar. I, 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 you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, that's not even a valid comparison anymore. They're, 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 it's just such a different world now that it's, it's not even worth drawing the comparisons. But what is interesting is that you were constantly reminded in these F1, uh, you know, little bits like the Pato Award thing, like just how much the IndyCar drivers would prefer to be doing that. Uh, not great for uh, IndyCar as a as a general trying to make themselves a a serious uh, series. Well, not only did Pato Award express his desire to get to Formula One, in one of the articles I read, he he openly questioned why IndyCar doesn't have the same commitment to promoting their sport as as Formula One did. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> I thought that was notable too. Uh, yeah. So so uh, Curb, I got to ask you the question. I think you did watch uh, most of the Las Vegas race. If, do I have that correct? Uh, lap five on, yeah. Yep. And I actually had the opportunity to speak to somebody that actually went to the race uh, today. Okay. Give me your fresh perspective on the race. Um, you know, just as a kind of a stated, uh, let, let's let's be fair with you, Curb. You're not exactly on the Formula One side of uh, of things. I'm not. Um, hey, I don't like the cars and. The, the, the entertainment value obviously just doesn't seem to be there to match the uh, popularity of it. I certainly hoped that Las Vegas would fail because it was just so, so, so overhyped. But sadly for me, it, it did not fail. It looked like a pretty spectacular event. You know, and the, the racing, I guess, 
because of safety cars. Um, I think Max Verstappen created the safety car that allowed him to win the race, I guess, from uh, the way they had it, described the strategy. So, uh, but still created an entertaining and competitive race to the end. And so that was a, a bonus for, for Las Vegas. I've heard a mixed bag of reports following the race. You know, by and large, it looked like it came off as well as could be expected, I thought. It was what, probably one of the best races of the year, just from a you know excitement standpoint. The, the optics, you have to say, were phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it had every hallmark of an event. The ratings were good, despite the hour, right? Right. Um, you know, look, I, I, you would have lost a lot of credibility with me, Kirby, if you had said, oh, it was a terrible flop. Right. It was. I mean, it wasn't. They wanted an event. They got an event. They they certainly paid for this event. That one uh, billboard, uh, you know, law firm uh, is, is suing for 30,000 per spectator for um, the the first practice, which I found funny. Right. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't it be wonderful in a world where, uh, you know, IndyCar got sued like that? <laughs> that, that that somebody thought they lost thirty thousand dollars of value, uh, you know, to miss their first practice. Um, right. I did talk to somebody that went today. You know, he paid ten thousand dollars per ticket. He bought two tickets. He was, I think, in what they called the sky box, which I believe is across from the pit, kind of up. Right. Uh, he said the food was spectacular. The drinks were good. He said, but you know, like. If you wanted to go out on the veranda to watch the race, you kind of had to jockey. You didn't have a seat, so you kind of had to jockey for position to. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, for so 10 like, grand. For it's, 10 like grand GA, each, it's like GA and you got to fight your way up to the railing or something. A little bit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I thought that was an interesting comment. Um, yeah. Clearly, clearly the uh, hotels jacked up the prices too high early and then had to later, you know, recant and, and, you know, start doing some deals to get people there. So there was all those things. And I, you know, and as a, as a guy who's been to some F1 races and, and almost any race, really, I mean, if you really, really want to watch a race, the best place to watch it is on television. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, so you got to go there for the event. So the event better be damn good. I don't mean the race itself. I mean, just the, the happening, the, the experience of going there. It is questionable to me. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a guarantee that hey, um, we're gonna have, um, you know, just uh, people just you know breaking down the gate to go there every year. But at least visually, and at least you know, as far as press coverage and everything else, got I was, you know, I've got a lot more tolerance for F1 than you do, and I was getting tired of hearing about it. I was, you know, I listen to CNBC every morning for stocks and all that. And I couldn't, uh, all they would talk about was, you know, the damn F1 Las Vegas race. Right. It was, it was crazy. It's a long way of saying, I think they had overall success, whether that will last, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sit here and, you know, put my hand on my heart and say, it's going to last 10 years and, you know, it's going to go on forever. That's going to be wonderful. And, and that, I don't know that I think that there's still a risk factor there, but they certainly put their best foot forward. You'd have to say that. Yeah, it was a great presentation on TV. I was interested to read. Uh, there was a guy on Racer.com that, you know, he's a racing journalist, but he wasn't covering the race. So he went and attended as a, a normal fan, you know, bought a ticket like anybody else would and and experienced, you know, he wanted to experience it that way. And he wrote about it. And he was very positive about his experience. And uh, so much so that I actually asked Debbie if she wanted to go to the race next year, <laughs> to go to Vegas for the race next year. But um 
but again, I, like I said, I've heard a mixed bag. So, um, you know, I'd be curious the fellow you talked to today or anybody you talked to going forward about the crowd size, because I heard one report that uh, the seats actually weren't filled. I have, I've said this before. I may have even said it on the podcast. I mean, I, you know, being as I'm going to be spending a lot more time in Europe, I'll, I'll just go to some races over there. I don't feel the need to go to Vegas. So, you know, you know, they've been putting out a number of 315,000 people for the weekend. And again, that's one source. So that's that's more uh, that's more that's more worthy of a lawsuit than the, the FP1 thing. Yeah. Or P2 thing. Uh, maybe that's where uh, what's this face from Texas Motor Speedway went. Yeah, Eddie Gossage. Eddie Gossage. Yeah, maybe yeah. he's working over there now. <laughs> kind of in the rear view mirror now, Vegas. There's even been an F1 race uh, since then. Uh, did you catch any Abu Dhabi over the weekend, Kerb? No, no. Okay, let me fill you in. Um, Verstappen won. Oh, handily. Really? Yeah, handily. Okay. Here's a, here's something that, that I think you may be interested in. Ricardo, uh, your buddy, Danny Ricks. Danny Ricks, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, by the way, I don't think he hasn't done enough to main to get the Red Bull right. Right. I mean, he did. He hasn't even outperformed Yuki Sonoda. So I think that whole, you know, potential deal is done. I think Prez is going to keep the seat next year, um, and that's going to be that. You know, I mean, okay. I'm going to go out and say it. D- Danny Ricks might be the most overrated driver, currently overrated driver. I mean, I this. I, I can't see anything in the last several years that would point to like this guy's a wonder couldn't. Right. And and yet he gets treated like this, you know, by the announcers and everything, you know, Danny Ricks and, you know, the latest of the late breakers and all that other kind of crap. Now I'm starting to see a couple rumbles. Well, maybe Danny's, not, you know, not what he was or whatever. But holy Moses, how much how many you know, bad performances do you have to have before people start saying, well, you're not very good. Apparently, the, apparently it took uh, you know six or seven more this year to, to to seal the deal for him. I guess I don't know how many. He's got the Alphatari, right? I'm pretty sure. So that's that's that. You know, he'll be driving next year. But why would why would they waste the Alphatari right on? I think he's still got the reputation. You know, like I think those guys still rate him, and they should know, right? So they should know. But I there is no empirical evidence out there that I can see that, that why anybody should rate that guy. Is he just rated for a smile or something, his, his personality? I don't think that's enough to get you going. I mean, you know, Verstappen's not a very personable guy, but, you know, he can sort yeah, drive yeah, a car. He, he's, got, he's got the empirical evidence. I mean, that's true. Uh, Danny Ricks doesn't, um, yeah. other than his star turn on Drive to Survive. Yeah, well, so I, I got to tell you, um, yeah, I so I, I think that, that whole talk's over. I mean, Alpha Tari couldn't even beat Williams this year. Yeah, and if, if 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 Ricardo had scored any points or any reasonable amount of points, uh, they would have. So he he's let them down. He's cost them millions and millions. And uh, Haas Haas ends up last in the constructors championship this year. Curb. No kidding. Yeah, I don't know. I take a little joy in that. I don't. Do you? I don't. I don't care enough to take any joy in any of it. But okay. Uh, you know the basket with the the formula this year that they you know that they were going to do better. But you know you know what they should do. Hire American car Next drivers year? and become the American they, team. No, they ought to, you know, they ought to expand into TV shows and things like that for Guther Steiner to split his time with. Yeah, which has been reported. CBS, um, CBS comedy. CBS comedy reality show with Guther Steiner. That's a real yeah. thing. Yeah. Look, I, 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 I guess the reason I take joy in it is because Haas 
to me has completely either ignored or purposely ignored or intentionally ignored the, the opportunity of being the American team, right? I don't think anybody associates them with being an American team. And well, but it isn't the purpose isn't that because Gene Haas was trying to promote his his company overseas. I mean, he was no, trying to promote I, his company. No, I, I don't believe that at all. I, I believe it's because he hired a bunch of euros, right? You know, they're probably before Liberty took over. Maybe there wasn't that much advantage to doing that, you know, but now there right. is. I mean, he had the perfect opportunity. He could have hired one of, you know, several IndyCar drivers to go drive his car. He would have got a lot of, you know, it would become an American team, but he he didn't even do that. I mean, he, he's just, you know, he's got Gunter Steiner running it. I mean, let's face it. Any American hears Gunter Steiner or sees him, they're going to say that guy's a Euro. He's like the Euro of Euros. They've totally ignored that opportunity to be that. And I I, I don't like that. I, I, I just wish they would. Well, I don't care what they do, but I just think they've uh, they've ignored a great opportunity. And so now they're just... They're kind of making oh that that American team that placed last this year in F1. I mean it's embarrassing. It's terrible. And oh that American driver Logan Sargent. Yeah he's he he plays last in the race. He's terrible. You know what I mean? It's just it just reinforces the whole American uh, everything in race in the world racing is terrible. Yeah, it's kind of like all your favorite musical artists are liberals, right? Uh, you know, it's just something you got to accept and live with. <laughs> Who's to say I'm not a flaming too. liberal, Curb? What's that? Who's to say I'm not a flaming liberal? Well, Maybe I'm just like saying it. it's. I'm just saying it's an accept something that is accepted, right? I mean, it's just yeah. expected, and and so Euros are going to treat Americans like uh, they're inferior, and that's just the way it is. And yeah. you can you can worry about it or not. So yeah, no, I don't worry about it. I just think all this is reinforcing. And Gene Haas was in a unique position to kind of do something about it, and he didn't. The other comments I'm going to say is that I did watch, in my usual fashion. Uh, the Abu Dhabi race and some of the qualifying and some of the practices. And I have to say a few things. F1 is a terrible on-track product. It really is. It's the drivers, as soon as they get past, they're on the radio complaining that somebody did something dangerous or something like that, you know? Like, they Mm -hmm. just can't get past. It always has something to do with either – uh, yeah, this, the guy did a dangerous move or something's wrong with his car and they're on the radio instantly. They can't just say, I got passed. <laughs> it's, it gets annoying. It, it just gets like, God, I, these guys just do nothing but whine and complain on the radio. And they play every time, you know, with the way the F1 broadcasts work, you hear them all the time. And it's like, wow, it gets old. And they're always just saying, well, it's dangerous driving. Cause I guess, you know, maybe they're hoping they get the other guy a penalty. It, it doesn't sit well with me. The the races are absolutely boring. I, and but you and I have said it a hundred times. And you know what? It, it's just going from strength to strength. And I think it just goes back to the the one thing we've also said, which is these are events. These are a happening. It doesn't really matter what the on track product is to a degree because it's a happening. And I understand there's some advantages. Like you know, you go one race a year in one country. You can. It's probably easier to make every race a happening. But it is, and that's why it's working. Right. I don't know about the rest of the world. I, I think it's in danger of uh, peaking in America in the next couple of years <laughs> and uh, sliding back down the hill. But that may be wishful thinking. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how many people can be like huge fans of Drive to Survive. And I, this is a legitimate question. I'm not. This is not a comment. Comment with bias. It's like a legitimate question. It's like it'll be interesting to see like how many people can sit there and watch Drive to Survive, which 
you know, for most people is an entertaining show, right? Right. And and then like go and watch a Formula One uh, race on TV, and it's 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 just unless the product improves, it's just boring as tears. Right. And 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 hang around, and maybe maybe they can, maybe it'll work. Well, the American public is uh, notoriously flaky. You know, they'll yeah. have a shiny object for a year or two, and then lose interest and go on to the next shiny object. So it'll just be it'll be interesting to see. I don't yeah. see that happening here. Uh, I, I really don't. And uh, as I suggested in the last podcast, I, I really think IndyCar is now at a point where they need to explore strategic alternatives with Liberty Media. Um, I think we're, we're both hoping that, you know, it kind of fades, but uh, I don't think so. Well, I mean, you, you started out with a, a question about the uh, durability of the Las Vegas event, right? Let me put it another way. I think Liberty runs circles around IndyCar management at no, a that, rapid that, that, rate. Okay, that, that's not what I'm talking about. No, I know that's not what you're talking about. But at the end of the day, they're smarter guys. They're better guys. They're they're freer thinkers. And I think they're going to adjust. They're going to improve the on-track product. And they're going to keep adjusting. And I think they'll do a good job. And, and they'll keep it from fading. That's okay. what I think. All right. Well, there you go. And I and really uh, let's make a an effort not to talk about this in the future. I, the F1s has put IndyCar to near to the grave, and I think we can just accept that, and we don't have to focus or dwell on that anymore. I think we, you know, kind of shot our wad the last previous podcast with that. Okay, and I'm not trying to make that debate or or argument. I'm just saying that um, you know, you questioned the durability of the Las Vegas event um, at its current level and. You know, I question whether, you know, you think the Liberty will fix the, the on-track product, and if so, great. Um, but if they don't, I just question how much further they can grow in America if they don't have a compelling product on the track. Yeah, that's why I think it makes a ton of sense to buy IndyCar. <coughs> I do. That would be the undercard. If you want competition, watch the undercard and then uh, No, but they could, they could, I mean, wouldn't you rather have Liberty running the show at IndyCar now? I mean, forget about it. Let's say they didn't own F1. Wouldn't you rather have those guys run the show at IndyCar? Um, in an objective world, maybe. Not, not in the world I live in, but in an objective world, maybe, yeah. Okay, well, uh, that's I live in the objective world, so I, I would say absolutely. I mean, you're starting to read more and more about it now, and, and this is actually segueing nicely into um, my next and last topic curve, and then I'm going to hand it over to you. Is that you're starting to read more and more about like you know is Roger Penske kind of kind of losing it here? It's just kind of getting too stuck in the mud here with uh, what's going on and you know it, it, looking forward to the future where Greg Penske takes over. Does he have the ability to kind of bring IndyCar back from the brink here? And uh, it's an interesting question. What say you? Uh, look, I think we're all frustrated uh, so far. I like to think that, you know, I'd sell Roger Penske short at your own perils. I'm hoping he's got something up his sleeve and, and uh, knows more than we do about what's going on. I don't know anything about Greg Penske, so it's hard for me to say. Hope's not a strategy, as I'm often told, you know, and I, uh, it's, I get you. I get yeah, you. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to see if that's if what you say is, you know, what you hope is correct. It's really hard to see any signs of that. Right. These these diatribes of garbage that's coming out of Miles' mouth lately is is enough to just send you to an early grave. Well, I mean, come on, we're gonna have a hot new event in a couple of years. Isn't that something to hang your head on? Yeah, 
Me too. Me too. I got one too. <laughs> this hybrid thing. We're, we're going to get the third manufacturer in no time. We get this hybrid yeah, thing going. Yeah, that. And then, and, 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 you know, we got one too. I, the IndyCar uh, tweets. And by the way, they I'll, don't. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, by the way, what worries me. What? Is if GM and Andretti get into Formula One. Yeah, there's not going to be any money left for them. For, you know, is GM going to stick around IndyCar? No. Not if you know they run upon you know some slowdown in the industry, which always happens. It's a cyclical industry. Yeah, no, right. there won't be any money for that. Yeah. Be the first to go. If you notice that new engines in 28, right? Which is, I think is about the time that IndyCar engine deals expire. So yep. It's like, well, <laughs> inconvenient timing there. It looks like to me. Yeah, I uh, all things to worry about. In my case, not worry about, but just comment on legitimate questions. And like I said, you know, Miles is getting up there and just. You know, we got one too. Watching, li- looking at the IndyCar tweets during the Las Vegas thing, like you know, IndyCar was like trying to put some. It was so pathetic, Curb. Uh, they were just the stupidest little tweets, you know, like uh, that were just me. It just, it just made the the comparison during the whole Las Vegas event just even worse. It was embarrassing. Right. Get ready for these hybrid engines coming in twenty four. You know, it's just like wow. And you're doing this during, you know, this big event, national event, where they've had hybrid engines for God only knows how long, right? Right. It's pretty bad. And, and you know, the fact that uh, they're not hiring a marketing director because they, quote, unquote, don't need one, it's – they need that more than ever, more than anything. Justin, they're growing their TV audience 2% a year. What more do you want? All right. Well, let's talk about that, Kerb, because that's also uh, come up recently, um, that they're uh, looking around. I think – Reading the tea leaves to me, it looks like NBC's like not even playing. What do you what do you say? I read Miles in an article to say that NBC has expressed clear interest in uh, renewing with IndyCar, but that they realize that IndyCar needs to go check out the marketplace and see what's out there for them before they can come back and negotiate with NBC. Uh, so I'm going back to my original statement. It doesn't sound like they're very interested. I, I would expect NBC still interested. You know, they got the NASCAR programming for half the year. I think it all works well. I think it's since they're already in motorsports and they're heavily into IMSA too, and they have a lot of cross pollination with their broadcasting teams and all that. I think it probably fits in nicely for them as long as they don't have to pay through the nose for the rights fees. I have a hard time seeing anybody else paying through the nose for the rights fees, so I would expect them to go back with NBC in the end. I don't think anybody's going to pay through the nose. I. I I mean, he claims they have three or four interested parties. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he is, you know, ESPN's kind of an interesting one, right? Because they've lost a tremendous amount of content over the years. Um, yeah. And and they continue to lose content to, you know, the Apples and the Amazons of the world, right? But I haven't heard any whisper about ESPN at all. Right. But I would I would think ESPN would be maybe one of the ones that would actually pay up a little bit. If somehow they want to pair it with Formula One, you know, I mean, maybe because they were pretty much out of racing altogether when they got out of NASCAR and and IndyCar. Maybe they have some interest in, like you say, they've lost a lot of other programming. Maybe they could look at IndyCar as some inexpensive, you know, programming to fill some time. Yeah. Um, But I think IndyCar. $20 million. I think IndyCar would risk getting lost in the, getting lost in the ESPN ecosystem. I don't. I'd be leery of that, but, uh, you know, they had to get some assurances in terms of 
broadcast windows. You know, we're not getting out in two minutes after the race is over because you've got more important things to do, things like that. So, but they've got the streaming, they've got the they got the network on ABC, they got ESPN, they got ESPN two, they got God knows what else. Um, maybe that maybe that's more attractive than I think it is. I'm, I'm very comfortable with NBC. I like it. So that's I like I, NBC well, and Peacock. I know you're very comfortable, and you're always reluctant to change anything. Um, yeah. But you, you are not. Change a, bad. Change you are bad. not. You are not an agent of change in any way. I don't know. I don't like what I'm hearing from NBC. I think NBC would be like, yeah, we're all over this. You're not going anywhere else, right? They're definitely not of that ilk. Um, and uh, yeah, I would. I would hope that you'd hear some whispers from ESPN because uh, you know competition would be healthy but I, I don't be shocked curb if you're exceedingly disappointed with what they end up with Amazon TV only or, or uh, Apple TV only oh, I'm thinking I'm thinking CW yeah that one crossed my mind too and by the way I Mark Miles announced yesterday I think there'll be a second season of 100 days to Indy on CW uh oh that's also good a bad news. sign good news to somebody and maybe even a scripted program so uh who knows what but I, I have a math question for you you're, you're a math guy right i do score highly in that uh, world okay so if did you see that uh, nascar announced their new uh tv package today i did not but uh i was working but anyways okay. it will average 1.1 billion dollars per year now according to this article they average a TAD of total audience delivered, I guess. Yes. Of, of 2.47 million viewers across 20 races. Okay, this is on NBC's portion of the contract. Okay. Two and a half million dollars. Two and a half million viewers yep. across 20 races. Yep. IndyCar making about 20 million a year, or 1.32 million total audience delivered. Yes. Uh, my math says that's more than one half of 2.47 million viewers. So why doesn't IndyCar get the uh, per race equivalent of $500 million a year in rights fees? Well, a great question, right? Now, there... I'll, I'll, ca- I'll caveat that when I first did this math, it was only the NBC portion. So obviously Fox gets the Daytona 500 in January. So that probably bumps up there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's part of it. You'd have to kind of parse that out. Like how many races does NBC get? Is that, what was it? 1.1 billion. Did you say? 1.1 billion. The total, they've got, I think four different. Is that an annual figure? Yeah. 7.7 million a year for seven years, 7.7 billion for seven years. So 1.1 billion a year. If you, Fox is the first half, NBC is the second half, and I think they've got streaming with Amazon or somebody in the middle. But you add it all up, and it's $1.1 billion per year from all their different broadcasters. So $1.1 billion divided by 38 is $29 million per event. Divided by 2.47 TAD is $11.72 per viewer. Multiply that by IndyCar's 1,320,000 viewers, and you get $15 million a race. Times 17 races would be 263 $263 million a year. All right. Well, Just, I, I I think that's a great question. Why don't you call up Adam Stern and ask him? I might. I, w- I think you should. And yeah. I'd be I'd be wrapped to hear the question or to hear the answer because there's got to be one. Yeah. These guys aren't right. stupid. 
either any cars like I mean 20 million like when you, when you hear 1.1 billion 20 million it's like oh my but god even, even in formula 1 on on ESPN I think they only get like 90 to 100 million or something um yeah cuz that was an old deal yeah no it's a new one it's the new one they that old deal expired and they and they had to do a new one and um ESPN kept it and they still don't show commercials it's just you know, presented by Mercedes or somebody like that, and uh, and they and there's still no commercials, so they're paying 90 million a year, and they don't even get to, you know, yeah, uh, show commercials on it. Formula One, for all their growth and success and hype in America, anyway, um, has as essentially the same total audience delivery as IndyCar does. So, which um, they used to be a fraction of IndyCar, by the way. I get that. But I'm still saying, I don't know what IndyCar is hoping for in a rights fee, but it ought to be at least $100 million a year based on what ESPN is paying for for F1, and they don't even get to sell commercials. <laughs> I, I don't think Mark Miles could sign a paper quick enough if somebody offered $100 million for the rights. You might be right. But, Yo, uh, I'm right on that one. Trust so, me. But it, the math is interesting, and I don't get NASCAR's wealth. Kevin Harvick bought Rippy, Ricky Bobby's house. Did you see that? I did not see that, no. Yeah, true story. <laughs> I don't remember the house, but I'm sure it's a fine house. <laughs> I just remember his wife. But, um, <laughs> isn't that funny? I mean, he probably just bought that for, you know, shits and giggles. No. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, pretty funny. All right, Curb, uh, you've. Uh, sent a bunch of stuff over to me IndyCar related so uh, you know let's let's hear it let's have it well any thoughts on the uh, Alex Palou uh, A he admitted that he breached the contract and B saying uh, all these alleged damages are bullshit well I uh, okay so obviously you have an opinion on that um, kind of led with it um, <laughs> no I'm, that's what Alex Pelos lawyers are saying in court. Oh, okay. okay. But this is a bunch of BS. Well, I don't think it, I yep. mean, I, so I, I'll, I briefly read through it, you know, kind of the, the breakdown of the, and there's what, 22 million bucks worth? 23, Do I have that? I think. 23, 23, okay. Somewhere in that range, right? And my quick math got me to about half of that was completely legit. What did your math get you to? Mm, it's less than five. But, uh, you know, I mean, if, if some of these things can be proven, it ought to be, relatively cut and dry but i i have a hard time believing there's a contract that says i'm going to pay you this million you know ntt data is going to pay you this much only if alex palau is driving the car no i don't have a hard i think that's completely legit i think those are deals all the time i i think that's completely i i put those in the 100 percent legit i think that's that's very common it's like we'll give you this money but he's driving our car they were getting supplemented by uh chevy to get palau and that went away. So I think that money was completely legit. Okay, so, um, but okay, but let's just say that that's true. It ought to be fairly cut and dry. Here's a piece of paper that says, "Well, uh, I think dear, that's dear, ex- dear, dear Zach Brown, we're cutting your engine allowance by 500 a year because you got David Malukas in the car and not Alex Pillow." Well, I or, think that's what that's what they'll present in court, Curb. I, mean, I think they'll see that. Okay. Okay. And then but, uh, the other one I thought was legit is the money they spent on them, you know, kind of giving these F1 rides. Okay, I have a question. Does And and 
by the way, the money they paid him, even though he technically couldn't negotiate with anybody, and they gave him a 400000 or a half million dollar advance or whatever that was. Okay, well, that's a no-brainer. Give that money back and move on. Does some wanker over there in Europe really give McLaren $3.5 million to be able to drive the car for a day? What the going rate is, but a million probably wouldn't be completely out of the rule of thought. Okay. Well, they're claiming $3.5 million. He did testing with them. He did some free practice one on maybe a couple of occasions. No. Uh, had it had they not given Palau a spot in its small testing of the previous car program, the F1 team could have hired a driver who was willing to pay for that opportunity for roughly $3.5 million. You're not even testing a current F1 car. Uh, somebody really going to pay $3.5 million for that? Maybe. I mean, that seems crazy, but... Yeah. If, you're, if you're a billionaire, three and a half million doesn't sound like very much of anything. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I just think some of this is very, I agree that a lot with uh, Palau's lawyers, a lot of this is very speculative. Of course, it's Trump, to- uh, of course, there's a lot of trumped up stuff there, Kirby. I mean, you know, you, you go in, uh, you know, I mean, this is punishment, right? This is, I mean, oh, this, uh, this, is, this is getting your, this is getting yeah. your piece of hide. There's no yeah. doubt about so, it. So, you know, all the gloves are literally off. And they are going to pound away. And I got to say this. Alex Pillow deserves every punch that's coming his way. <laughs> the, he, he, idiotic is how he's handled his career. Okay. And I know I know he's had managers and I know he's had this. And I know, but at the end of the day, you know, the buck still lands in his uh, lap. And uh, he, he's the one that had to say, no, we can't do that. And he didn't. I, I, I can't exonerate Pelo's behavior in any way. I'm guessing this comes in at $5 million or less. It'll still hurt him. It'll still hurt him pretty good. $5 million well, yeah. plus another, you know, several million in lawyer's fees. Yeah. No, yeah. But, I mean, five is a far cry from 22. At least you can see light at the end of the tunnel if it's five. You know. And it's probably good for the sport in general that this happens, right? Because if you just had drivers doing this, there, you know, it would be a mess. You know, we've we've all shaken our heads over this, uh, you know, since he started these shenanigans and just like, how is he doing that? I'm on Zach Brown's side on this one. I'm I'm, I'm Alex Pillow is a f- fantastic race car driver. I think he should be an F1. That's what I think. He, he might even be a pretty nice guy. But at the end of the day, this is some of the stupidest self-management I've ever seen in my life. Can't argue with you at all. He's, he deserves whatever he gets, but I just don't think he's going to get near this much money. That's all. Well, Curb, you and I, I, I you, we're pretty traditional guys. We, we want people to live up to their word, right? Sure, sure. And and he, you know, you can trust that. I mean, if you can trust that guy as far as you could throw him. And, I mean, maybe you can throw him pretty far because he's light. But at the end of the day, I mean, that's about how far you could trust him because, I mean, his, his word's worth nothing. No, I, I wouldn't do business with him. Uh, no. I'd be happy to have a beer with it, but I'm not going to do business with it. And maybe it was just a stupid, youthful, driven more than he's been to school type of thing. You know, maybe it's that situation. It probably is. But it really doesn't excuse it. I mean, your word's still worth something. And if your dad didn't teach you that, I'm sorry. That's uh, that's that's a shame. Nope, that's true. But it was interesting uh, news today, to, or the last couple of days, to see that uh, information out there. What else, Kurt? You want to talk about the Mark Miles, uh, you know, event that's coming in 2025? 
there's a headline from Miles that uh, hey, they're working on a really neat event for 2025 that uh, it's got a lot of traction, they think, internally. And they're not ready to tell you exactly what it is yet, but uh, they're pretty excited about it. What say you? What odds do you give this event a coming off? Slightly better than the video game. Slightly better than the video game. Okay. Uh, so let's call that a 25% chance. Okay. Yep. Um, B, how exciting will it really be and where could it be? Where, the where is probably the most interesting aspect of this to me because I kind of rack my brain. Again, I've not been able to talk to any of my industry sources on this, but Mexico is where I lean. That'd be a good get if they could pull that off. I agree. Um, I was thinking I, Denver. Yeah, not a not a bad choice. I I I can't. I I don't think anywhere in Canada, you know, he would put up there like that. I the the rampant uh, thing that kind of went across the internet was Cleveland, and I I was like, <laughs> if if it's Cleveland, as much as I would love to see that course back, right, and that race back, I mean, how you cannot trump that up as like some major event. Right. You know, it's it's Cleveland. No offense to anybody there, but it's Cleveland. Well, it's one of those things that would excite the base again, uh, just like Milwaukee, but isn't going to move the needle uh, outside of your traditional fan base. Correct. Uh, yeah. Exciting our base is, is what they, not, you know, that's not, an, a, that shouldn't be a priority for them. Right. But, uh, it, I mean, to be big, it's got to be a population center, right? I would think so. Yeah. And so... You know, you go out to California, I can't see anything going on out there. You got Long Beach, that's that's going to be enough. And, you know, put anywhere else seems not possible. Um, and, you know, Denver, I think that's not a bad one, Curb. Um, but I think that's right on the border of, like, trying to make that, like, a big, big deal is kind of a little bit iffy. You know, and then where else? You know, then you're looking at the south. You're looking at you know, some of the southern population centers or the northeast and, you know, none of those are going to be big deals. Uh, I mean, it'd be great if you could do like New York City or something like that. Or I don't, I don't, I don't think you're doing much in a major northeastern city unless you're on a fixed facility. You know, it's, they're not going to. I, you know, would you take that chance again like they did in Boston? Would you go to like one of the you know newer you know southern metropolises now? You know, Charlotte or Atlanta. Or uh, you know, one of those. I mean, would you would you do something like that? Maybe, maybe. Um, I'd love it if they could figure out a way to race the road, Atlanta. I mean, that's uh, yeah. You're in the center of a hell of a lot of population there. And you, you know, Texas. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, the God. They they just got so embarrassed with Dallas this year. It's hard to imagine them, you know, touting that as anything. I, I don't think it's Salt Lake City curb. You don't think? Nope. And I don't Miller, think it's, Miller Motorsports Park. Uh, well, well, formerly known as Miller Motorsports Park. Yeah. Sorry. I, don't, um, I don't know what the new name is, but. Uh, Utah Motorsports Campus, I believe. Did you see the uh, one of the things I sent you? Um, you know, they were interviewing the uh, the guy that runs NASCAR as well this week at that industry event. And um, he blatantly said, oh, we lost our asses financially in Chicago, but it was important for us to do something. Like that to to grow the crowd, to grow our fan base, and to you know to to gain the attention that it got us. So just piling on our our rants from a, our previous show, but um, you know I'm sure they lose their ass in Los Angeles Coliseum, uh, and I'm sure they lose their ass in Chicago. But 
it brought them eyeballs and attention and uh, helped them market their sport. Okay. Um, sponsors, Hash Hive. Hash Hive uh, app coming out soon, probably uh, before the end of the year. It's exciting. X at Hero IndyCar, at Hero, H-I-R-O, IndyCar. Uh, been a little bit more active lately on the uh, on the X front. That's good because I need more uh, activity in my X feed. <laughs> there you go. My... Curb, it's um, coming up on the holidays here. I'm thinking maybe one more show before the end of the year, and that might be it. All right, we'll do we'll do our annual uh, gift giving guide uh, for Christmas. How's that? Yeah, your IndyCar gift giving guide works for me. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Good night.